Okay, well, welcome everyone. My name is Tanner Melvin, uh, uh, co-founder and co-executive director of Side Street Studio Arts here in Elgin, Illinois. And uh, this is Connected. So this is our weekly podcast, hopefully weekly, um, interviewing different producers and artists and, um, and people, pretty much, uh, throughout the Fox Valley area, Midwest, and the United States. Uh, my special guest today is uh, the founder of Minion Productions, Grant Evan Knudsen. And just so we're clear, Grant, how exactly do you pronounce your last name? It is Knudsen. Hey, but I got it. Really, right. nobody hears it until the first time they try to pronounce it. So, yeah. Yeah. Two ways to pronounce it, at least five ways to spell it, but at least people in the Midwest have heard it before. That's good because I I never had. I think I oh, really, really? yeah. I, I actually now that I think about it, maybe I had seen it when I was in college, mm-hmm. uh, or or there was a football player or something. I can't remember. Oh my gosh. Um, What's well, great? Yeah. Well. Uh, well. Yeah. Well. Welcome. Uh, thank you for taking the time out of your day to to reconnect. It's been a yeah, while. Yeah, it's good to see you. You too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we this uh, this podcast I started um, about five years ago. Actually, um, I started recording local artists and uh, musicians to um, printmakers and uh, other local like visual artists as well. So um, with doing that, I really found how difficult recording audio was, but also how great it was to just sit down and um, in person, you know, and we were doing this in person at the time, just sit down and, and talk about yeah. art and life. And, um, and I think, well, I know that now we, you know, we're kind of, we're bringing it back because of, everything is happening in the world and has happened in the world over the past year. So, um, but when we made our list, we made our list of people that we wanted to talk to. You're at the top of my list. You're probably the first person. I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, we've, uh, we've had different talks, um, you know, over Facebook and in person and, and, um, what I wanted to just, I just wanted to touch base with you really today and kind of see how you all were doing out there and, and uh, get an update, and then you know talk to our uh, maybe you know people around Elgin that might not be familiar with you, or in Illinois, Midwest, and like I said, uh, nationally at the very uh, minimum right now. Um, so, if you would, why don't you just kind of uh, uh, you know briefly introduce yourself, and then uh, and then talk a little bit about uh, Minion Productions and what Minion Productions really is. Ah, great. Uh, so like you said, my name is Grant Knudsen. I work with Minion Productions, but also like so many of us in the, especially the fringe theater world and the fringe festival world, if you get down to it, that's a little fancy schmancy because Minion Productions is also kind of a fancy formalized way to just say Grant. Uh, it is essentially what I do occasionally with help from my wife and lots of help from other people. Uh, as you well know, I often reach out to other people for all the info I can get and funnel it because essentially we're an artist services company for fringe touring artists. Uh, I got into the Fringe Festival world about a decade ago through a friend of mine who'd already been doing it for about a decade and decided that I didn't really want to perform in there. I, I wanted to help. Uh, we started mostly by helping out individuals or groups with their their season or their show, giving them a little bit of seed money to be able to do things, giving them a little bit of advice. I would get on the road and go with two or three groups to just be, because, you know, on the road or people coming to your festival, when you head to other festivals, you are alone. You are your entire company. The fringe artists are the marketers, are their financial people. They are the costumers and the directors, they are everything. So essentially what we wanted to do at the beginning was just provide an extra set of hands, uh, uh, somebody to help out. As we were doing that, we started learning all we could about the North American fringe festivals, uh, the Canadian and American ones, which right now is 
upwards of 70 to 75 different fringe festivals in those two countries. Uh, and it started becoming a little more of almost a consultant for touring artists so that we could provide a larger view, tell them which festivals they didn't know about yet, what we'd heard about different festivals uh, and what kind of shows did well there, which ones you could make money at, which ones weren't as good for money but didn't cost as much at the beginning, all these different things. And when you are your entire company and you're trying to tour through a month of the year, six months of the year, it's really hard to focus on not only making your show and doing all the production work, but also learning all you can about all of these festivals. So since I'm not making the shows, it's only one festival a year where I actually do a show, and that's a game show where I show off other people still. Uh, so I'll tell you more about that later. I'm, yeah, uh, I had no idea about that. I had no clue. See, aren't we glad we did this already? So <laughs> essentially what it meant is that I, I have time and the kind of brain where I really like to sit down and come up with stats, make spreadsheets in an artistic way, which is a weird mix. So I started paying attention to the festivals, how old they are, how much they cost, how big they are. Uh, I still haven't been off of North America to do them, which means I haven't been to the biggest ones in the world, the oldest ones in the world. Right. But part of that is on purpose now because I get on the road anywhere from four to six months of the year. I go in person to anywhere from 10 to 20 festivals a year, many repeats and many new uh, to mix them in and just read about them, learn about them, meet all the people I can and try to have an outside view and a bigger picture to share with however many touring artists I talk to a year and share that information. And because it is primarily me that, does, you know, we may not be talking to thousands of uh, fringe artists a year, but I can right. talk to hundreds online, dozens in person and help out in whatever little ways I can. Well, that, you know, when I, when we first met, uh, I think it was it, was it Yusef? Or cask yes. uh, was was it you? So it was Yusuf in Portland a year ago, wasn't it? Yes. Yeah. Jesus, that's insane that it's only been a year. Because I feel like I know that uh, you know you're one of the people that when I first met you and we started talking, I was like, you know, yeah, I had a connection with you in some way, shape, or form. Open, you're yeah. just an open and very um, <laughs> honest. Uh, uh, I mean, I don't know if you're honest, but you know. <laughs> Looking and acting. Thank you. I re it's still a big compliment because that's the initial impression. And I wonder if artists really get that on the production side or administrative side, because you see those artists who meet each other and they're immediately like, our styles mesh. Yeah. We should do a project together. And that happens with the administrators. That happens with the producers where they're like, oh, right. hey, we need to talk more. We should, we should chat and help each other out. And I wonder right. how many people know that happens on every side of the business. Well, and I think that's one thing that, you know, all of this has really uh, cut down on or even crushed is that opportunity, you know, because Absolutely. Meeting, but there's still, you can still meet people on Zoom and in different meetings, but when you meet somebody in person and you shake their hand or you're just around, hovering around them, having coffee or something like that, yeah. you really get to, you know, and you start to BS, you really get an idea of who they are, even in, you know, that first, 30 seconds to, to a minute mm -hmm. to an hour to, you know, the next eight hours you're in a, in a convention hall or you're in a, a local bar, you know, yeah. afterwards, all those opportunities that we just have lost, you know, since all of this happened, you know, COVID-19 struck America. And it's, it's been one of those things that I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around and mm -hmm. how to come back from all of that, you know, but when we did meet, you know, like I said, you know, we, uh, I think we kicked it off and, and I, I really want, I was like, there's gotta be another way that we can work together. And that's, you know, we started talking about, you know, uh, you know, I, my idea, or, or I don't even know if it was my idea or our idea really when it <laughs> came from, but like the, 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 the thought of doing, uh, you know, fringe TV uh, being because I've always wanted to travel around the kind of what you're and I, I think that's the other thing is that you really inspired me to see that it's possible to travel around to different fringe festivals and be able to to help and facilitate uh, and bring bring your own, you know, uh, database of information in order to help fringes. And some people see that and they're kind of they might be hesitant, you know, to think what the hell is this guy 
uh, you know, doing this for uh, out of, oh, the of his own heart or whatever, you know, but and getting to know you better. It's like, it's, not just that, of course, it's that you get a lot out of it. You get, uh, uh, you know, training yourself in order to, you know, to get into your, your new equipment and whatever. But it's, it is also something that you see the promise of helping other fringe artists and producers to, to get something, uh, uh, get something started and to create something in a way that's, that's really novel. Because I don't think there are a lot of people doing that, um, and especially it, in the U.S., where it is, fringes are still fairly new, you know, oh, yeah. in the conceptually but um you know seeing you and, and, and meeting you like i said fringe tv kind of came up and, and i wanted i wanted to be able to do something like that where it'd be like we could travel we could create this this documentary series and it could be a you know and uh do it in installments and whatever of different fringe festivals and see how it's run really the get into the nitty-gritty because we're the lucky ones you know, I mean, I think, you know, artists and producers, we're so lucky to be at those, in those moments where to see a struggler, an artist struggler, producer, or even a venue, you know, a tech staff member that's new, and you see those artists that, that are really responsive and understanding, and then you see the artists that are like, you know, uh, screw you, why are uh -huh. I like, you know, where's my light to you, whatever. But fringe is that family where it's okay. It, it, you got to be flexible. You got to stay flexible. And like so many people do not get that. They don't, they oh, don't absolutely. understand, yeah. you know, they're, they're used to Broadway in Chicago or Broadway or, you know, uh, uh, you know, even community theater, community artists don't necessarily see that fringe artists. And, you know, not that you're, they're solely fringe artists, but anyway, I digress. Uh, being able to talk shop with you in a way as fast too, because we were both we're both fast yeah. talkers. <laughs> but we have a shorthand because we've both been working <laughs> right. in this before. And that is to go along with what you were saying, and you can tell we aren't getting nearly as much chance to talk about this in person because we're doing that bouncy ball tangent thing. And I mean yeah, that in a right. good way. We're like, we Absolutely. get to talk about what we love. Uh, yeah. but it's it's that way with artists too. A lot of the times if I'm talking to a festival directly to try to help them a bit, which is what USAF does for festivals in a much bigger way. But when I'm traveling around, I can often hit the younger ones, uh, which artists, especially experienced artists, have to wait a while before it's worth taking a week or two out of time and a week or two of money to do that. I can go to the first year of uh, theater crude in Oklahoma, as I did. I can go to a first few years of TAMP. I can go check out these ones and get a feel and not that i am an oracle for that but it's just nice to have somebody with some experience who can say well they're they're already good at this they are working on this and i think it'll be good for these types of people or this one invest early build your crowd there early uh but you it is difficult to explain to people trying to start a fest how they're different from in-town theater and like you were saying it's hard to explain to some artists who have only worked in community theater to Broadway theater and anywhere in between if all they've done is more mainstream theater explaining to them how a fringe show is different how a fringe festival is different how the tech is different how the marketing is different is a huge thing suddenly right. they have a grounding but they don't have a full understanding and helping uh, one of the other things we've been able to do is use some of that experience to do workshops around at different festivals or in different towns and help five or 10 people at a time talk through that before they go try it. Because uh, some people are going to try this and feel like, no, I love theater, but I should be doing in-town theater. I should right, be doing right. mainstream theater. Uh, not mainstream meaning that it's boring at all, but just not the fringe festival style. And some people get out and love it. And being able to tell them early what it's about, help them get into it has been amazing. Uh, even, That's, and again, uh, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say again, it's. It, even if it's only a few people a year, five, 10 people a year that we're talking to about that and only say three to four of them continue to do that. It just feels amazing to be able to give that little bit of a push, a little bit of help. So where does that help uh, lie? Is that just in your brain or is there a way that uh, fringe artists that might be listening to this in you know, Florida um or wherever uh is there a way that they can connect with you in a way or an or even scroll through some of your past um writings 
about uh you know it's not like it's not as if you're critiquing these fringe festivals either you know it's no. that can be done in person <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah 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 it is and i love talking to the directors and giving a view there and hearing what they think but that's different i yeah. tend to be like you've seen the the monthly lists i put up for one thing that i do uh put out for everybody is a, a monthly list of fringe festivals in north america whose applications are currently open uh right. and that started about three, four years ago, and it was purely to get my name out there a little more. Uh, we don't have much else online, and I am constantly reminded by many of my colleagues and my wife uh, that there should be a blog of travels, a blog of uh, the, the advice that I say the same every time. And you know what I mean, we all have those, where you feel it coming on and you have the phrasing, and you tell people, okay, so when we're talking about fringe marketing, it's, and then you go into, uh, something you've refined, something that's wrote now, something that, that you know, those things, if I can say them the same every time, they should be written down. Right. And they're not really right now, but a lot of that was because before I really was on the road most of the time that I could be. Uh, I have a very understanding wife and very understanding five cats who would be thrilled when I showed up back home two to three weeks later. Uh, right. But, and I, that was like so many of us, one of our, we had our goals going into pandemic time of, oh, well, now I'm going to have all this time to build X. And my two things were going to be expanding the video gear that I started doing just a few years ago, and I'm still very much learning, uh, and building up the website. And instead, as we've all discovered, uh, pandemic time is not really downtime so much as mental trauma time. Yeah, right. So uh, I've been starting, I took about six months of just pure doing other things, helping artists, but helping them find housing, helping throw a little bit of the money we would have put towards travel, towards helping them survive. And then that, you know, with pandemic time, then when the protests came up, then I, I keep using the three Ps to people here. This half year has been pandemics, protests, and political upheaval. <laughs> and we're not getting a lot done. Uh, but we right. do have, you know, we have a little studio in our backyard here in Seattle and a little family cabinet by Mount Rainier. So we've been able to help people get quarantine time or time away from the city. Uh, wow. we, use the, we usually use the studio as an Airbnb to help me get money for travel and projects. And since neither of those things are happening, that can go a little towards helping people's online projects or just helping them get by. So we've gone from a national scale of wanting to get info out to helping two, three people at a time again, but with much more basic needs. Uh, so I took about half a year of not even doing those monthly lists uh, and then just got back to that two months ago, just put out my third since pandemic time. So we're getting to really go a long way around to answering your question there. Yeah. We're getting back <laughs> to putting some information online. Uh, it is mostly the list now. I do have people starting to contact me one-on-one -on -one again just to ask which festivals are starting, which ones are in person, which ones are virtual. So I'm trying to uh, jump back in and talk to more of y'all who run the fest, talk to more of the uh, people who've uh, been trying things online and just have some advice. And again, a lot of what we do, because it is mostly me and a few other people who help me out, is if we don't have an answer, which is often the case, I just want to know who to send them to. If I can mostly, when I'm home, be a switchboard and say, I have no clue, here's who does, that's still a great way to use the experience of going around and meeting so many people. So I'm starting to get back into the list and I'm starting to get back into connecting folks uh, and learning what the festivals are doing, but I do feel like I'm kind of fumbling back to my feet. Yeah, that's it's such a, a great importance. I, you know, I um, and trying to get what you're doing out there because you know not everyone wants to be affiliated with CAF or with USAF or yeah. you know as even as a performer, you know, they, but they need to have. I don't say they need; they might want someone like Minion or like yourself that has all that information, you know, and, and cause there's really no review. There's no real Yelp or, uh, for, or face, you know, a review system for fringes, um, that I'm aware of, you know, for, for producers, but I think there's a Facebook, um, group 
uh, for performers and, you know, yes. where they can talk yeah. shop and, you know, be like, I'm going to go here, you know, I'm going to go to Elgin Fringe. Like, how are they? I'm like, oh, they're a bunch of dicks or whatever, you know, like, <laughs> or, or stay away or, or it's awesome, you know, and, and that's really important because again, not every fringe is, is going to be the best experience. Even if it's the best fringe, it might not be the best experience for a specific artist. And that might, might just be, yeah. you know, there might just be little intricacies about, uh, about promotion or marketing, you, you know, cause like I think you, you mentioned it earlier about how when you do show up to a fringe, um, if you're a weathered fringe artist, or even if you're just kind of in that world, you know that no one's going to come to your show unless you get out there and beat the street and you start yes. hanging out. And do that. Yeah. And it still amazes me to see artists come in and they're like, why didn't have anybody show up? Well, did you do any marketing or did mm-hmm. you know? And, and instead of getting upset, I want, you know, personally, I would like them to, I would like to have a, a system or to mm-hmm. see a system to say, this is basically how you fringe and you need to have these five things. Everything else is on you. You know, your marketing, the place to stay, your props, your set, your costume, you know, here's food, here's transportation. What are you going to do about it now? Because there are other art, you know, there are fringe artists and I, this isn't, of course, not, we're talking fringe because of the um, the circuit. You know, it, yes. is a, it is a very large performing uh, art circuit in these festivals, probably the largest in the United States, I would think, uh, maybe some summer stock. Um, but this this goes, you know, year round. Um, yeah. and, and shares artists among all the festivals. Uh, absolutely. A lot of people use the term, not to break into what you were saying, and sir, yeah. but, uh, a lot of the artists have used the term now, kind of the, the modern vaudeville, where you have your local oh. artists who are always there, and then some local artists who travel and then some touring artists that go around and mix in. So you, uh, it's a unique form in that there is no particular genre of shows for the festival. In fact, the festivals, part of what makes them a fringe festival is that there is no genre, just that right. they are essentially short form, low produ- uh, not low production values, because that makes it sound cheap, uh, right. scant production values. Uh, high artistic value to make up for that uh, and a mixture of local and touring folks at almost all of them. Not all, but I am to be fair, I'm a little biased on that because I don't pay much attention to the few fringe festivals in North America that don't allow outside artists because that doesn't help the people I'm talking to, but there aren't many of them. So a lot of people have said uh, uh, modern vaudeville uh, or similar ideas, a Chautauqua idea uh, where you go share your ideas, share your art forms, uh, and in fact, Ch- Chautauqua has been used as a phrase a few times. I, I, if you're familiar with the word, uh, it's essentially a vaudeville show as well, a traveling show, mixture of outside and inside uh, people at it, and a term that that is as old as vaudeville, if not older. Uh, and there's just not a lot of terms for it now. The, the yeah. vaudeville style doesn't get used the same way. The variety shows are mostly in town now, but they they do share people. So circus uses that a bit. Uh, but for the most part, then you are in one art form. Whereas with the fringe festivals, when we go, you could binge in a day, go see five shows and see a solo storytelling show, a dance show, an improv show, something you cannot describe at all in the middle of it all. Right. Uh, and one or two are going to be gold. One or two might not be your favorite. And <laughs> overall, it's going to be great. And the, for the most part, you're going to have more good than bad because if you are doing this four to six months of the year and traveling around, especially, uh, you get weeded out pretty quickly. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I've seen that. You know, we're this this year was our I think it was our eighth year of Fringe Festival, um, and uh, you know, you see some performers, and it might be their performance, it might be their attitude, it might be mm-hmm. you know. It, and that's just life, you know, that's oh, not, sh- yeah. yeah. So the attitude you discussed earlier too, but uh, I know yeah. a lot of people know the stereotypes of theater people that you see and say, waiting for Guffman in the movie or jokes about <laughs> community theater. And they say, how do you deal with that as a living? And I said, you know, by the time you get to semi-pro or professional theater, you don't have many divas left because if they are a diva at that level, they better be so good. They better yeah. earn to this. And, 
there's somebody else that can fill your role that doesn't piss off everybody backstage, that right. doesn't uh, make a huge difficulty for the director, that's just easier to work with. And it's the same, even though uh, we're working on a much smaller budget scale, even though the artists can do much more on their own. Uh, and most of the fringe festivals around the world, most of the fringe festivals in North America are not curated. So you don't get to say that person isn't welcome back, but eventually those people for the most part weed themselves out. Yeah. They don't have a good time when everybody around them is not enjoying their presence. Uh, you know, I yeah. think there's, there's a lot of room though too, where you know that there's behavior that should, that is expected of you as a fringe performer. Cause I, I I've performed as well as, yeah. you know, we've produced eight festivals, but I've performed in three, I guess, uh, now, three or four. Um, and but that's the best thing that's really helped me is producing. I mean, I'm oh, okay, yes. you know, as a performer, I, I've always, I've always known, and maybe that was instilled in me in a very, you know, an early age, maybe even in elementary school that, you know, the director of the music and whatever, like, just be nice to everybody because they're the ones that are supporting you because you're the one oh, that's yeah. on the stage you know, orating or flailing about or crying or doing whatever, you know, and they're there to make you get like same as tech. That's and be as being a not only a producer in, in an administrative uh, level and development, but as a tech person too, I've had to see those people. And mm -hmm. that is really, it gives me a lot of insight over the years on what I, you know, what artists are really looking for, what, staff and tech staff is really looking for should be i think um and then even the venue itself you know be, about being and that goes to ticketing and admin and security and and everything and it's like there is a core uh, you know uh, uh i think decorum a certain level yes. yeah there should you know that you should have for these festivals and when you don't and when you see someone being mistreated or they're not just not or somebody's just being a jerk it's like there's why man like yeah. we're we're doing this really cool thing and everybody's here to do the thing. Let's just do the thing. And you know? none of and those jobs are easy. That's one of the hardest things right. to remember is, like, right. you know, and in mainstream, you know, in your, your in-town theater, the equivalent of that to me is say during a tech week, which is also weird to say now after a decade of doing this primarily where we don't get a tech week, we get a tech hour and a half, maybe three yeah. at a big calf fest. Uh, but in a tech week, what you see in, or mainstream theater is uh, the joke. Sometimes it's the lighting person is up there wondering why the artist can't get their line right the hundredth time. And the artist is wondering why the lighting person has to try a hundred times to get everything focused. And the answer is that none of this is easy and you're all doing a highly skilled job and it's, you need to respect that, like you said. And in school, I, I really enjoyed that at my college for a theater major, you had to take beginning costuming, beginning stage managing, yeah. uh, beginning dance, like all these things. You, if you don't want to keep going and you're never going to do it, fine. But understand that when you're sitting there for the you know 30th minute of them trying to focus these lights, it's because they're trying to make this look right and it's not easy. And at the festivals, I think that comes out as a, uh, yes, that person is just a volunteer. I always hate that phrase because fringe festivals run on volunteers. Right, Even if right. you pay your staff, you need them. But those people are important. They're keeping the timing going. They're keeping the crowd uh, orderly. They're getting them in. They're helping you out. They're keeping things on schedule. Uh, and your tech person, when you're touring, because like we said, you're the, you could be on the road for two months doing the same show. And you might be in those two months in, say four to six different venues that all look completely different, that have different sound, that have different lights. So imagine for those people who haven't done fringe festivals, but do theater, take the show you just did, and in an hour to three hours of tech time, in a city you've never been in, in a venue you've never been in, with a tech person you didn't meet till you walked through the door, take that <laughs> show and learn how to produce it in that space, in that right. amount of time. And so your tech person is your lifeline. And it's possible that they are a union tech person. You could be in Winnipeg, Edmonton, the biggest North American festivals, uh, Orlando. You could have a, a union tech person that knows this board 
backwards and forwards, or you could be at a mid-size or smaller festival where they learned the board a week before you showed up. Right. right. Or, or that day even. Yeah. I mean, and that I've sucks, been there, right? but that's what you have. And it's not their fault. It's not anybody else's. Like you have the amount of time you have and you make it work and you be nice to everybody. Uh, back when I traveled with artists more, going to uh, like my third or fourth year of the Road Festival in Fresno, one of my favorites to go to, uh, and I'll, I'm actually going to be involved for my 10th year coming up in March. And awesome. we went in and they used to have everybody volunteer, including the board ops. And for most festivals, the first person they pay, maybe it's the director, maybe it's a marketing person. But even if you're just given a $50 stipend, usually the first people to get paid are the board ops because nothing happens. They're the, the link between the festival and the artist for the most part, once the wheels hit the road. Uh, before then, you're giving your information to people on the staff, but they didn't pay those people at that point either. And they had amazing, wonderful people who often did not know yet what they were doing. Uh, so I remember going to one festival where I had this, I was helping produce some artists, friends of mine who were doing a dance and music show. And in that hour of tech, and they had one of the shorter tech times, hour oh, they take you to 90 now, we got almost nothing done. We got 15 minutes of an hour long show done and that was all the time we were gonna have. And I remember I loved the artists so much there because they were new to this, but they knew how to deal with it. They said, uh, that went terribly. Uh, thank you for what you've done. Are you a bit, can we go buy you a beer and talk through the rest of the show? Cause we know wow. we need to leave the space. Uh, and they figured it out. They worked it out. Luckily that's changed at that particular festival as well. But, uh, they do now pay just for those people and give a little more time, but I don't mean that as a negative towards anybody. Right, that right. was one of the times where everybody came together and said, well, that obviously didn't do it. <laughs> Let's be nice. The the tech person who ran that board now uh, has been a friend of mine for eight years, stayed in my back house. I'm helping get back from Europe in quarantine later this month. It's Whoa. if you handle that right, you've all still solved the problem and made connections for life or at least for a good chunk of time. Well, I think that, you know, th that's that's really got that. It's I'm just, it's just bringing back up so many memories. Uh, <laughs> yeah, quick visceral feelings, yes. Right, but get your ass in gear and, uh -huh. and do your line. Well, uh, tech and marketing to me are the two things that are so different from normal, normal theater, from your right. more mainstream theater. Those two to me are probably the biggest differences. There's dozens of differences, but those are the yeah. biggest. Well, I think that, you know, the marketing thing is really, it's a constant is, and it's not, I mean, it's, you know, an issue It's that, that because we have artists that come in and you know that there are the artists that come that are blowing up Instagram and Facebook mm -hmm. and sending out press releases weeks before, you know, the festival or whatever. And then they get on site and they go, they're out and they're smoozing and they're, yeah. you know, they're talking to, they're going to other shows. Flyering lines. Right? Flyer those lines. Exactly. Which is a you know, 1980s marketing thing that most people now don't even know. Yeah. And and that's something that you, I think, you know, I know that Elgin Fringe Festival in particular, because, uh, you know, for reference, I should say, um, we're, we really try to breathe that life into those artists. Oh, I just had some art fall. Sorry. Um, <laughs> There's no I mean, symbolism to this. This is yeah. Yes. More more is on its way, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> so I try to dress up the background of you yes. know, and yeah. it just never works. Um, but those artists, you know, we try we really do try to breathe that 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 life into into artists to say, you know, we're a small festival, so get out and yeah. move about, and people are gonna love that, you know. And I mean, if you're you know, if they like you, and you know, but even then. They can pitch it. It's like, how are you going to yes. pitch this? Are you going to go out and, you know, like you said, fly the street and everything? It's, What's um, your elevator pitch for your show? Do right, you have right. a, a 30 second to 60 second uh, walk around, hand your flyer to them? And most artists hate that. And I get it. Uh, one of, I talked about having the little pithy phrases, and I haven't used many of them this time, but I generally do. And I think I told you this in a Portland Maine as well, but one of the phrases we use all the time is everybody among the civilians, among the non-artists, uh, everybody assumes that all of us in the arts are very outgoing, very gregarious. 
uh, right. very extroverted, and we are not. We are <laughs> awkward as hell, mostly introverted, and the phrasing we use to get that across to people is if we were good at expressing ourselves in a normal mainstream fashion, we wouldn't be doing this. We That's do this yeah. because at some point in our lives, for most people high school, sometimes earlier, sometimes later, we saw this. And a whole bunch of people who do know they're a little awkward with people, a little outside the norm, saw somebody performing and said, I, that's how I could express myself. That's what I want to do. We're not great at that just schmoozy business-like thing. And for the festivals, flyering lines is a, a huge thing, a phrase I use all the time, walking up and down. And artists hate it. And again, one of the advantages of having a brain that's a little mixed between the arts and a more organized, a more uh, business-like way of doing things, more production side is you can tell people, yes, you, you hated that. You talked to 50 people in that hour and maybe only got five of them to come see your show. Uh, but that means you just made $50 in that hour. And what other right. work have you ever done in the arts where you made $50 an hour? Uh, and the right. other point is great. If it took 50 people to get five of them to come see the show, does that mean you need to talk to more people or fewer? Right. So it's those little things of, again, it's so frustrating. It can get so emotional. It's just nice to have a little bit of an outside view uh, and somebody who's talked to other artists about it. So it becomes another way of kind of helping talk people through what's different, talk through the process. The marketing does have to be a little bit in person, a little bit. I use the phrase 1980s marketing because it's there is social media, but right. how much social media can you do in a city where you don't? Have, know anybody to be social with. Uh, right. The festival can do so much, but one of the things, and you know this better than I do, uh, one of the big splits in every area of Fringe Festival between artists and the festival is what is the artist's responsibility and what's the festival's responsibility. Exactly. Yeah, sure. Again, the pithy little way to put it that we say a lot is the, the festival's job is to put up a really good podium. Your job's to stand on that podium and yell. But yeah. Well, that's good and pithy, where's the line for that? They give you the lines to go flyer, the Instagram to put your stuff up on, the program to put your info in. Your job is to get the catchiest, quick little title that you can to put on that podium, the best little hundred word description, the uh, best elevator pitch to flyer those lines, and to do it differently than you could have been working in in-town theater, mainstream theater for four decades, and gotten these great poetic titles and this nice abstract word description in your program and your season ticket holders will come see that. Now, what's the one that catches people like that? Because you're up against 20 other shows. You're up against 200 other shows. You go overseas to some of the big ones, you're up against 2,000 other shows. Right, right. Uh, so your title can't, it can't, you can't say they'll get it when they see the show or they'll never see the show. Right. And so that's the, that's a really interesting point, Grant. Because, like in going to festivals, you know, like I'm, yeah, this might sound so like I'm a highly visual person. And it's, but oh, yeah. if I see somebody's graphic or, you know, or little or, or their headshot or, you know, whatever their marketing image is, and I like it and I like the name of it, um, it's, it's uh, high on the list. Like, yeah. I tell you what, this one um, boy, I cannot, I'm not going to think of his name now because I'm just, tired uh but um maybe you'll uh we just had him in the elgin fringe actually um and the show was we first saw it at boulder and it was uh mingdalaba yes yeah and james sunquist yeah mingdalaba. James. yeah mingdalaba and it was one of those where i was like my god like, i loved the image of him you know it was this red background or yep. darker red background with him in this like kind of velvet suit with this odd look in his eye and the name and the, but in that description too. And I was like, so then what it comes down to for me is you have all these great, maybe you've got a, a, a show, you know, a festival that's just filled with excellent marketing photos, excellent taglines, excellent, you know, uh, and everybody's, it comes down to risk. And oh, yeah. you're willing to wait as an audience member, I'm willing to wager and roll the dice. And that, I think has become, I don't know if they're equal, uh, in equal parts, uh, problematic or like how, like the problem is how do we get an audience 
that's large mm-hmm. enough to, you know, to then to necessitate a festival of this kind, you know, because smaller yeah. festivals, even in bigger cities, they're still competing for a giant piece of the pie, this pie. Absolutely. You know? And if you don't mind my, uh, sorry, no, I keep cutting you off in the middle of things, but that really sparked one of my favorite things to tell people as well. And you touched on this earlier, you know, which festivals should artists go to? And one of the other pithy ways we put things is every festival is worth doing. And maybe that's not true. Maybe there's some that are right. run horribly. But overall, if you talk about it, every festival is worth doing, but for different reasons and probably for different artists. So no, yeah. what is your goal for going? And now there's great reasons to go to a first, second, third year festival. It's not money. Uh, right. And it's probably not crowd as a festival. Now, as an artist, when you go to a new city, one of the other ways we put things for people, your job isn't to go to Winnipeg necessarily and build your own crowd. If you go there for five years, you might do that, but mm-hmm. you're going there your first year. You don't have time. You don't have money. You don't know anybody there yet to build your own crowd. Your job is to go get Winnipeg Fringe Festival's crowd, their built-in crowd, to go see you. Uh, and how do you do that? How do you stand up against those other shows? But first, second, third year festival, as again, you know better than I do, you're still building your crowd. It takes years to do that. You're a two year fest. You don't have five, 10 shows a year. Uh, so what do you do as an artist when you go to a festival and your job is to get their crowd to come see your show and they still barely have a crowd? Right, so the right. reason to go to a first year fest is to, it's a city you already know people in, you like the way they've handled things so far and you think they're going to last and you want to get known by their crowd as it builds uh, to try out not untested material because that's not fair to the festival, but new material that you need to get on its feet more often. Uh, There's all these great reasons to do it. So you you said it's not fair to the festival, right? So when I see a performance and I've seen a few where the performer is, you know, Lose. Not ready. Uh, oh no! Sorry. Not, Go ahead. Yeah. Yes. Or, or not ready. And and I, as a audience member, you know, I I'm a uh, uh, I'm, uh, boy. I don't even know how to phrase this. Um, I'm kind of a snob when it comes to theater, and that's that's <laughs> that's loosened up a lot over the years. But I always was always under the you know the the, the philosophy, I guess, or ideology that when I see a performance on stage. If I go back to next night, I want to see that exact same performance because yeah. I feel that there's a level of professionality and um, an art involved in that. And over the years, that's kind of that that idea has kind of uh, simmered to a point where yeah. it's like, I understand that you know there are certain nights and whatever, but Fringe has really taught me that. It's that especially you know. There's something in the air on a on a Thursday versus a Saturday, yeah. or a Friday, or a Sunday afternoon, or the lighting is weird, or or a tech thing happens, and you have to be flexible. But as an audience member, if I see an artist come in and make reference even to the fact that they're a little shakier off, and I've paid the same ten dollars on a Wednesday yep. night that somebody's yep. going to pay the the same ten on a Sunday when it is a perfect show. I kind of find that as an affront to uh, performance uh, in, in, in its in its entirety. But and then that's that's the issue that I have is that it's that's what that's what kind of what fringe is too. But explaining that to an audience, especially of newcomers, yeah. is so friggin' difficult that if not impossible. And you can't say that because I feel like there might be people that are going to say, "Well, why would I go to a show that isn't?" finished or is it smooth or is it but you know because there is no real you know define uh, a definition i guess in in a defining term that encompasses all the fringe festivals you know it's fringe it's weird it's this it's that if you can just say you like performance go (laughs) it's going to be it's going to be one thing or it's going to be another you might hate it you might like it that comes down to the again like i said about the audience taking that risk you know, and, and you that, have to. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. it's, it's a lot of fringe festivals use that catch. You know, be brave. I think that is that. Maybe Orlando started that, or or someone. It's like be bold, be brave. brave I've seen brave artists or something. Brave like that. at a lot of them take risk, uh, and then it really fits that as well. That a uh, you know, 
a dozen festivals around North America use a binge of the fringe because we really are to people that don't know what it is. One of the better explanations would be say like binging Netflix shows uh, where say, okay, you got all day, you're going to be jumping around. Some of them are going to be right. great. Some of them aren't, but you've got them all in one spot. And now you can take a risk. We're only going to charge 10, $15 a ticket. Uh, so for the price of one C cast performance of a Broadway touring show, you can go see five, six of these shows and yeah. take a risk and try some new things. But going a bit to what I was saying and to what you were saying, uh, now, some of the biggest, oldest fringe festivals in North America. I remember seeing this in uh, Winnipeg Fringe Festival, which is probably my absolute favorite for just the atmosphere variety. Uh, Rogue Festival, which is 20 years old now. Uh, you know, and uh, so Winnipeg's about what 35-ish. Uh, Rogue is 20, 30-ish uh, for Orlando, and I can tell you at every one of those, I overheard. Now they're all non-curated. There are right. curated fringe festivals in the U.S., but not many. Mm -hmm. There's none in Canada because it's not allowed for the calf festival there. Uh, but all of those are non-curated. Part of the point is we don't, you know, we we don't curate who's coming in and we don't edit what they do. We won't censor what they do. Now the law right. can censor it. Fire code can censor it. Uh, uh, just pure capabilities of the venue can censor it, but they don't. And one of the big things of that is we don't curate any artist. It's democratic. Whoever gets chosen can be in. But a 35-year-old festival, I have heard multiple times where audience walks out of that show and says, that was terrible. Why did they choose that? Because you can put it in your program. You can put it on your website. You could write it in the sky in 50-foot flaming letters. And that only gets across to the people that read it. So right. the festival will always somewhat deal with the fact that the audience will, and understandably, maybe rightfully, equate the quality of the festival to the quality of the shows they see. And, and how that, do you do that? Yeah. Well, and I, that's really, um, that's very interesting because I know, you know, I've seen and talked with people in different festivals, you know, and it's about the festival experience. You know, they, they're there. It's like going to a live music festival. You Absolutely. Know? Like, yeah. Some people are, are there to see you know, like 25% music, and then they want to go to the, the stand-up bars, they want to go mm -hmm. in the ocean, or if it's by water, or wherever. They want to party, they want to, you know, do drugs, and hang out with their friends, or, or they just want to chill, and, and, and all that stuff. That's what, it's a festival. Festival goers want, a, 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 they want a yeah. number of different experiences. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, for Fringe, it's important when, you, when you're there, that you take care, that you take you make note of that and that you try to take care of the people outside of the, of the performances, you know, that's, yes. that's audience interaction with staff, with tech, you know, and I think, I know that there are I, probably every festival now has a um, code of conduct for the, the tech staff or indoor, the performers outside of performances. Be like, you're, you're here when you take, you know, a, a step outside of this, uh, this performance space, you are representing this festival, not only yourself, but this festival. And what that yes. means is we're trying to create an experience, right? We're trying to create a safe, a safer uh, space for these artists and, and audience members and tech staff and, and, and volunteers, of course. And, you know, that that's such a huge part of festival production. It's that you want, if there's, you're not. You're trying to make money, okay, to pay for the festival, right? But you want to. You want to cultivate this experience, and yeah. that's what every one of us wants. You know, I and think the, yeah. good, the good festivals, anyway. If right? you want, you, it takes a while to get the crowd to that as well. But, uh, and that's sure. you know, it's another one of the things that's really helpful to know about when you're talking to new artists or when you're giving advice to people because uh, uh, it's a to say, okay, we said earlier, go fly your lines. That's that's all you need to do. Just hit people up. If you do that all day and get people, you have people at your show. But then who do you go flyer? And one of the things we tell people is uh, uh, if you have a choice between a sold out 300 person venue that's a local high school group doing cabaret and they have 300 of their family and friends that don't really even know they're at Victoria Fringe right now. Right. They just know they're seeing their niece Sally's show. And that's great. I'm glad they are. But you could flyer all 300 of them and you're not getting a person. Whereas if you flyer the 40 person line going to see a touring artist at that same festival, 
those people don't know that artist. They didn't know that show. They may know him from other years, but that means they are fringe festival audience if they know them yeah. from other years. You're going to get more people from those 40 than you will from that sold out 300 that are friends and family. Uh, now, that doesn't mean you don't want those other people there. It all adds to the atmosphere right. you're talking about. But ultimately, as the festivals grow, and you know it takes so much time and effort, you eventually want people that aren't going to the show, that aren't coming out just to see their friend Sally. They're coming out to see Elgin Fringe. And they're really excited to see what is in Elgin Fringe this year. Right. That's you the know, goal. The, the, and I think the goal, you're, you hit it right on the head. There are people um, that... Uh, Sorry, I'm putting my chapstick on. No, no, no. I'm talking so much. I got to lube up. <laughs> uh, you know, there are so many people that you know, we talk to, and it's like they—they're like, "Okay, who are you here to see?" You know, and like, "I'm not here to see anybody. I'm here to see yeah. everything and nothing." And and those are some of the best. I know that those people have had some of the best experiences because yes. and that, yeah. but that comes down to audience education, and that's one thing. That I know that we continue, like I said, we continue to strive uh, to, to to help with. And but your information is so important, Grant. And and Thank you. and be, yeah. being able to well, in, in you know, in, in combing these fringes and and you know, with USAF and CAF as well. And, and I'll I'll mention them uh, at the end here here in a few minutes. But um, that information is so important, and we want people to have as many we want everyone to have that information so they know what to expect and they know yeah. that it's okay to have a um uh that it's okay to have a different experience and that everything you know every performance is not going to be 100 percent. yeah some people see that as a um i don't know what the word would be but like uh, uh kind of a cop-out right yeah. Because they are, they assume that it's going to be something like Broadway in Chicago, uh, for in reference, you know, or broad or these, even a Midwest touring show at a university or something like that. Like I remember in college, I saw Rent, uh, mm -hmm. like my freshman year of college before I was even a theater major, and blew me away, man. Just and I still oh, yeah. think about it, and it's one of my favorite shows because of that experience. I had I knew nothing going yeah. into it. I had no clue what it was about. I was like, oh, rent. How are they going to pay their rent? Oh, wait, that's a song. In the show, you know, whatever. Uh -huh. so like, and it was a beautiful experience. And that's one of the things that really, again, draw me, drew me in to theater uh, at that university at, at Western. But, oh, no <laughs> I'm going to pull this out. I put this yeah. up because I, an old friend of mine made this. I thought it would be cool to be in the That's great. Uh, anyway, uh, for those no, of you that's that aren't, Beautiful. And those are just yeah. different types of shows. We should still go yeah. see that. And I worked, sure. uh, uh, you know, before I got into the fringy stuff, I told you that was early 30s. I'd done theater since middle school, did it in uh, high school, did a theater major, always mixed in a little bit of performing with the front of house work, the marketing work, the event work, production work, yeah. which is helpful. It's kind of to be the jack of all trades, but certainly master of none now where <laughs> I can keep an eye in this very unique role that I just made up out of thin air uh, to look at all these different areas and have a little bit of an idea of how to evaluate them. Uh, it's been really nice in that way, but you should, we still want our crowds to go see the big production of Cabaret, the big production of Rent with Absolutely. all the production values, the big sets, the big costumes, uh, 200 lighting instruments in the air. But for a different reason than you go see Martin Dockery do a one person show. Then you go see Wonderheads with, uh, you know, two chairs on stage, but beautiful cocoon masks that they build. Uh, right. they, they're going to have 20 lights taped to a wall. Hopefully not that, but you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. uh, they're going to be <laughs> some of my favorite venues that I love performing in doing the, the, the game show that I was telling you about. I do that at rogue, uh, because I've been there so long, we get two teams of artists or staff and show them off by just playing silly, silly, chaotic games. Uh, and one oh, of my man. favorite venues to do that in is the back of a cafe. And honestly, for the festivals, again, when you talk to artists that haven't done this style of theater, 
and they'll say, hey, wouldn't it be better to be a 10 minute drive down the road in this beautiful mid-sized real theater venue? Like, no, 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 no. If you have a choice between that or being a two minute walk across the street in the back of a cafe with two park can lights sitting up there and folding chairs, do that because yeah. you want that festival feel you were talking about. Walkable, all together, crowds changing up so that it's just different mixtures of these people throughout the day uh, that once you add in any barrier, having to get in a car, being a ways away, yep. not being part of the festival feel, it doesn't work. So you don't go see us for the big production values. But hopefully, like I said earlier, and like I tell artists all the time, if you can't have larger production values, you have to have better artistic value. It has to be more intimate. It has to be more personal. It has to be more risky and fun and different. Uh, you make up for that by making it an experience yourself. Absolutely. Uh, yep, and absolutely. that's been one of the hardest things this last year is all theater has been tough to throw online, but production values can translate pretty well to a video format when part of the joy of this is that this person is able to take these 30 people, 50 people, maybe five people at a small fringe festival where you're new in a room, look every one of you in the eye and their skill is that they make you feel like this is a personal, intimate fun, wonderfully weird show. Weird is yeah. good for the fringy things. If it's wonderfully weird, how does that translate to what we're doing now? How does that translate on screen? And some people have found great ways for that. And I think some of that will survive. I don't think the fringe festivals Absolutely. are going to lose that. I think they're going to integrate that. But some people have just been waiting. And I don't, I have yeah. no ill will <laughs> towards people who decided, no, this isn't my thing. And a lot of people change their minds when they realize this isn't a two month, pandemic right but, I, yeah you're absolutely yeah. right with that i There's think some that's people a lot of just yeah some people what go ahead oh sorry i think some people still haven't gotten into this style of it they're just waiting well that that's as someone where you know you don't have your fingers into technology as much as others yeah. you know it's like but even then reach out and i think that that's what i love about what you do is that and i want to you know start i want to do our my bet my best to yeah. do you know, to, to, Sorry. to make, we have a friend here. <laughs> hey, who's that one? No, no. So I, I agree with you. Yeah, we need to be connecting on that more, but go ahead for what you were saying. You're, no, I just want to do your uh, best. Again, for those of you uh, uh, listening, uh, one of Grant's cats just ripped his face off. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, so uh, Grant is now faceless and bleeding. Uh, no, <laughs> no, you know, it's what we, it's giving you a platform and to, to help other yeah giving all of us a platform to talk about the ins and outs of fringe and i think it's super important that other festivals and i and i didn't really you know it's not like we got on here to talk just about fringe but about you know uh, about performance as well as the future of performance with covid but that's going to be another show i'm sure um, oh yeah we didn't get to half of your questions that you said yeah. i'm sorry about that I'm Please hoping it's because be. we were enjoying what we were talking about and not that we, we just absolutely would, have been. Yeah, I can tell, you know, and I, and I hope everyone else sees that or hears that it is, um, you know, Grant is a, uh, you, you know, you were a, a, a proponent for fringes, of course, and for live performance and touring yeah. and, 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 but there are a lot of people that don't have that tech capability, but connecting yeah. them with someone that might yes. in a way yeah. that, you know, like I've I've always wanted to go and do tech, uh, do a tech tour, a fringe festival. Now, yeah. if I had this year to do over again, or a year to do over, I would love to do that. Just start in January, then you know, make my rounds on the circuit and help in different venues and different festivals, and and do the tech thing that I know and helping, you know, and taking tickets even, you know, getting that experience that will make me a better producer, that will make me a better performer, that'll make yeah. me a better human because I get the opportunity to, to talk different people and that's something that i love to do especially with people that are taking these giant risks and it might not be giant to them you know it's like going out on saturday night and seeing four french performances awesome it's not that big of a deal for some people it's a big deal oh, and absolutely yeah connecting you that's that's been a goal of mine since i didn't it has been a year uh last october a year ago last october has been a year since i met you but like that's one thing that I wanted to be able to, I want to be able to help better with uh, in the future because, mm. and I think that it's not just 
I, I think you'll be a good um, uh, beacon for those artists as well as uh, uh, you know producers and maybe even audience members to be able to, to 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 read about to see what you're doing and to say like oh this is fringe and, and it is about education and about what is possible and connection right it's, it's what we want to stay connected we want to create these networks and I, and and that's one thing I wanted to say about um, about you know, uh, some of you out there may have heard Grant and I talk about CAF or USAF. USAF is the United States Association of Fringe Festivals. And um, if you're a performer or an audience or, you know, someone that just wants to know more about Fringe, check it out. It's USAF. It's USAFF.org. Uh, they have a, lot, a list of information about all the Fringe Festivals that were were going on this year. Uh, you know, and there's just a ton of information there as well as the as CAF. CAF is the Canadian Association of Fringe Festivals, and that can be found at fringefestivals.com. They have all the information uh, about CAF uh, festivals, about Canadian festivals, as well as now uh, you can find the Fringe all over uh, the United States. Uh, I don't yeah. know if they do South America, um, but they have there are you know, a few. More... It's not many. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, and to add to, sorry, to where you're saying, to a third place for that. Once you've checked all those out, those are the two that I talk to the most, especially mm -hmm. your USAF folks, because I have focused a lot on going around uh, the U.S. the last few right. years. Uh, but uh, once you are looking outside of North America, World Fringe, uh, World Fringe yep. Holly and Kathy yeah, group that is also a great resource. They have a list of everything in the world as well as they can keep up with it, being that, you know, much like I said, Minion is essentially grant i know that most of the year world fringe means mostly holly a little bit kathy a few other people so they keep up as much as they can right uh, but world fringe is another great place to look and that's worldfringe.com and fringe I believe is f-r-i-n-g-e for anyone yeah. else that needs to know that but yeah so any performer that's thinking about um uh you know performing and you know anybody that wants to do a fringe there are a lot of virtual fringes the Elgin Fringe Festival, we're getting ready to do our Winter Fringe. Mm -hmm. uh, applications are open. Um, the, the virtual Winter Fringe is January 20th through 31st, 2021. Um, we will be continuing those um, no matter what. Uh, you know, once we get back into, you know, person, we're going to be live streaming, hopefully, every performance once we yeah. get back into the world. Uh, and, again, for performers, uh, I know you'll agree to this, Grant, but uh, they can reach out to you. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And that's uh, at Production, uh, yeah. www Um And they'll find your email and stuff on there, I'm sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, you know, there, there are a lot of people, a lot of performers struggling out there, as we all know. And our goal, uh, you know, at Side Street and with Fringe Festival is to just create a, a new platform for that. Uh, not, you know what I mean, not new, but uh, a new opportunity on yeah. this virtual platform in, uh, in making art out of this art and technology and it's there. And it's like, I've always say like the internet is a tool. It should be used as a tool. And mm -hmm. how we do that is only limited by our, uh, our imaginations. And I, you know, we've seen a lot of really amazing stuff come out of this yeah. and I just can't wait to see what's going to happen next. So, um, Grant, Evan Knudsen, thank you so much for joining us today on Connected. Um, thank you. It's been so nice talking to you. Hey, it's um, it, it has been. I really do appreciate it. Um, so we're going to sign off, and uh, we will, um, yeah, we'll take care, and everybody stay connected. Bye. Connected is a Side Street Studio Arts production. Music by Tanner Melvin. Produced by Nick Mataragas. To find out more about Connected and all the great things Side Street Studio Arts offers, please visit sidestreetstudioarts.org.